Well, I suppose the good news is that the world has not come to an end today. Uh, but I guess uh, also it's, uh, it's been downhill uh, ever since. Fairfield, Connecticut. A 50-minute drive from Midtown Manhattan. One express rail stop from Grand Central Station is a rustic bucolic sliver of 642 square miles that juts out into the southeast corner of New York State with 1,467 persons per square mile. Its 900,000 population has the sixth largest per capita income in the United States and is 80% white. Headquarters to two dozen national corporations, uh, it is called the hedge fund ghetto because so many money management firms have settled into small towns like Old Greenwich with neatly laid out pastoral greens and main streets that harken back to colonial New England. Often seen as a refuge from the turmoil of the big city living, people settle there because they want lily-white, high-quality schools for their children, as well as a safe environment far from big city dangers. I should know because I lived in Stamford, Connecticut for 16 years before coming to Congregation Emmanuel in 1993. It's a wonderful place to raise children. But if we had any doubts, it is, now that, it is now clear that suburbia only provides the illusion of our town's safety envisioned by the small, friendly, fictional community of Mayberry, North Carolina, of the Andy Griffith Show fame. The unspeakable events of Newtown in the northeast corner of the county have touched Americans in a way that no other mass shooting has. This observation may be crass or even cruel, but it's one thing to shoot high school or college students or politicians or mall shoppers or soldiers on an army base. But it's quite something else to murder 26-year-olds. The public reaction as well as even pro-gun legislators and pro-gun broadcasters is proof. Unfortunately, today's comment by the president of the NRA, President LaPierre, dictates that they are sticking to their guns, no pun intended. More school guards We are, of course, reminded that in Columbine, there were two school guards stationed at that high school. This act violates our core belief that as parents and a community, we shield all of our children from the harsh realities and cruelties of life that they will eventually have to face. We want to protect all of our children. We shelter them from violence, from illness, and even from death. But when the senseless violence of Sandy Hook takes the lives of innocent babes, 
we are incensed and hopefully now ready to address the festering wound that is eating away at the American soul. Now is the time to seize the moment to address what we have failed to address over and over again. And the reality is that you and I, we've all been complacent. We cannot allow the momentum that is sweeping across the country fizzle and get us back to business as usual, or shall I say business as unusual, especially when we compare what other nations have done to control unrestricted ownership and use of weapons. Children's Defense Fund uh, President Marion uh, Wright Edelman noted that since the murders of Robert Kennedy and Reverend Martin Luther King in 1968, over a million Americans have been killed by firearms in the United States. More than the combined U.S. combat deaths in all wars in American history, there are 31,000 gun deaths and 60,000 injuries per annum in this country. Edelman helps us frame the questions we must ask ourselves about our addiction to violence. What is it going to take to stop the craziness of gun violence in this country when every three hours a child or teen is killed by a gun? What is it going to take to make politicians stand up and put sensible gun laws in place so we don't have to mourn the horror of more senseless deaths of young children murdered at an elementary school? Once again, we are faced, she says, with unspeakable horror. And once again, we are reminded that there is no safe harbor for our children. How do the victims, how young do the victims have to be? And how many children need to die before we stop the proliferation of guns in our nation? From the minute the news hit the press, the motives of a meek, damaged 20-year-old was on everybody's mind. Because if we could understand why he committed these murders, we might understand what happened and thereby feel better about the tragedy. Such explanation makes it more understandable and thereby diminishes our rage. Among the suggested rationalizations for the Newtown Massacre are Violent video games that Adam Lanza played, including Dance Dance Revolution, the local mall. They, the reports are, have hypnotic influence. The Columbine High School killers were hooked on Matrix, which was blamed for inspiring their murder murderous acts. Lack of mental health services and an inability to commit an individual who has demonstrated violent outbursts to a treatment setting works against those with severe mental illness. In my last congregation in Stanford, Connecticut, the child who grew up in the congregation had a downward spiral in terms of his own mental capacity and uh, health. I was living in an automobile in our parking lot. Uh, and uh, he would be lurking behind trees, behind buildings. He'd use our washroom for his bathroom. Uh, and we were helpless uh, to do anything to get him off the property in spite of the fact that we had a preschool then. One of the parents was a state trooper and he would sort of shoo him away every now and then. And then uh, one Friday night, I'm sitting down to sh Shabbat dinner, the phone rings, 
uh, and it is he. I had no idea that he even knew who I was or how to get my phone number. He said, Rabbi, I'm in jail. I need help. So I called his mother. I had learned that uh, he had been lurking at a public school, which was public property rather than private property. So he was arrested. And I called his mother, and she said, thank God, because now he'll have to get treatment. These are the kinds of problems that we face. Other reasons? Former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee weighed in on Fox News on the Newtown Elementary Massacre saying, we ask why there is violence in our schools. We have systematically removed God from our schools. We don't have a crime problem, a gun problem, or even a violence problem. What we have is a sin problem. And since we've ordered God out of our schools and communities and military and public conversations, you know we really shouldn't act so surprised when all hell breaks loose. Comparably, Focus on the Family founder, James Dobson, joined with other Christian conservative leaders on Monday saying, we've turned our back on the scripture and on God Almighty, and I think he has allowed judgment to fall upon us. In the extreme, members of the Westboro Baptist Church will be picketing some of the funerals because they believe that the cause of this tragedy was the sins of the community pretty unbelievable. Clearly, there are those who shrug their shoulders and say gun control is not the answer. Uh, and uh, they are vocal about their beliefs that more guns do not lead to more murders. The Second Amendment prohibits gun control, they claim, of course. State-level gun controls haven't worked. Gun ownership makes citizens safer. Better enforcement of the laws, and not new laws, is what's required. And sensible gun regulation is prohibitively unpopular. I'm not going to refute any of these canards because of the limited time, and because most of you know how distorted these arguments are. But the fact of the matter is that suicide rates are higher in states with more guns, the presence of a gun in a home increases the risk of a gun murder by family members and acquaintances rather than by an intruder. And as far as the Second Amendment goes, it is no longer an issue of individual rights versus government control. It is now a far larger issue of public safety. As a nation, we've become inured to, the, to violence, and some suggest that violence is part of the American DNA. But now we may be at the tipping point that will make citizens move toward significant action. In his well-reasoned article in the New York Times Sunday Review, Nicholas Kristof asks, do we have the courage to stop this? He points to the failure to regulate guns and cites David Hemingway, a public health specialist at Harvard, an author of Private Guns, Public Health, who writes that children ages 5 to 14 in America are 13 times as likely to be murdered with guns as children in all other industrialized nations. Therefore, steps should be taken, he says, to reduce firearm carnage that claims one life every 20 minutes. The irony is that American school children are protected by building codes that govern 
stairways and windows. Buses must meet safety standards. Bus drivers have to have background checks and they have to pass tests. School cafeteria food is regulated for safety. Even ladders have five pages of regulations. In one of, one of Christoph's readers commented that it is more difficult to adopt a pet than it is to buy a gun. The grim reality is that more Americans die in gun homicides and suicides in six months than have died in the last 25 years in every terrorist attack and the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq combined. There have been at least 31 school shootings since Columbine, one half of the 61 mass shootings in the last 31 years. This, of course, is a time for lasting action. We owe these dead children, and we owe those who are living still, who look to parents and leaders for protection. We owe them protection. <clears throat> Here is a baker's dozen list. In the last half century, the number nationally of public psychiatric beds has declined to 43,000 from 559,000 at a time of significant population increase. Furthermore, state commitment regulations impede involuntary hospitalizations. In treatment, those with serious, severe mental disability are no more dangerous than the general population. But if left to their own devices, they represent a major threat. Many of you have read Lisa, Lisa Long's harrowing essay describing her son with high intelligence, mental troubles, and a seething capacity for violence, a profile that matches most shooters involved in massacres. Most are consistently male loners with high IQs. Many businesses, including the United States Postal Service, are on high alert for what is known as grievance nursers. And they no longer ignore those who mutter threats and have the potential of going postal. And in fact, there has not been an incident in the post office in probably five or six years because of the new vigilance. The Treatment Advocacy Center is an organization that eliminates barriers to timely and effective treatment of severe mental illness. Even if you don't plan to take any action, send them a contribution. They're working on the front lines to make it possible to hospitalize those who might present a threat to our society. Two, the imprint of a micro stamp on each gun shell will allow it to be tracked back to a particular gun. Three, serious background checks, both at gun retailers and gun shows, and a limitation on gun purchases to one per month per person should reduce gun trafficking. Just as governments 
have cracked down on retailers who sell cigarettes to minors, increased penalties on gun dealers who sell to traffickers will have a significant impact on gun violence. Just look at the dozen offerings in this Wednesday's Big Five sporting goods store right here in Stonestown. The, uh, the timing seems uncanny, and I'm sure they'll say, well, it was already in the advertising loop. We have some real nice models here, if you care to defend yourself uh, and your homestead. There's the uh, Tactical Ramfire Semi-Automatic Rifle, regularly $309.99. You can now get it. Maybe they, they just can't sell guns as much these days for $259. Uh, there's a, uh, an MP18 single-shot shotgun. Uh, how about a nice a Remington removable box magazine, 7mm, bolt-action rifle combo, or a six-shot adjustable shotgun, usually $499.99, only now $429. There's a whole page of them. There's a, there are some starter guns also, very nice, air, soft air pistol, pistols. Four, push for more gun safes. Five, make serial numbers on guns harder to erase. Six, improve background checks. Seven, require a 28-day waiting period and require the testimony of two character witnesses to buy a handgun. Many of the people who were involved in mass shootings don't have any friends. And this will follow the successful model uh, that has been used in Canada. Eight, invest in new technologies such as smart guns that can only be fired when near a separate wristband or after a fingerprint scan. Nine, annual relicensing of weapons. We require the relicensing of drivers and automobiles, but not guns. Ten. Expose the importance of weaponry sales in the U.S. military complex. That's another whole sermon. Eleven, pressure members of the House and Senate to forego acceptance of gun lobby campaign money. Urge politicians to publicly state that they will not accept contributions from the National Rifle Association until it formally supports banning assault weapons and rapid-fire rifles. 12, ban guns and assault weapons with high-capacity magazines that allow them to fire scores of bullets without reloading. And 13, authors Barbara and Shannon Kelly suggest forming Women Against Guns, following the model of outraged women who formed Mothers Against Drunk Driving. In 1996, after a mass killing of 35 people in Australia, the nation's conservative prime minister banned rapid-fire weapons. The firearm suicide rate and firearm homicide rate dropped almost in half. In the 18 years before the law, Australia suffered 13 mass shootings, but not one in the 14 years that followed the enactment of the law. Weeping is just not enough. Our president will not want to be written into history books 
as the leader who did nothing to control changing our gun-toting culture of death. The conspiracy theory that the president wants to take away our guns provides a smokescreen for gun lobby-supported politicians who have abdicated their responsibility to protect citizens from gun violence. In Guns Are America's Other Original Sin, featured in New York Magazine, Frank Rich cites David Gregory of Meet the Press, who stated that we reached out to all 31 pro-rights senators in the new Congress to invite them on the program to share their views on the subject. We had no takers. Our Torah calls upon us to heed the ancient plea. Do not stand idly by the blood of your neighbor. The charge is clear, and the outcome of life and death is dependent upon us, for blessing and curse are in our hands. Shabbat Shalom.